The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 167. All of this is new to you and you can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Ta-da! Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the season finale... Uh, of this latest series of Doctor Who called The Timeless Children. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very good. Thank you. So, folks, if you have not yet done so, you should please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get podcasts from and subscribe to the show. Be sure to keep uh, subscribed to the show because we got even now the season is over, we've got a lot of great content coming your way. A lot of great uh, episodes uh, that we're looking at classic who and new who and a lot of good stuff coming. You don't want to miss any of it. If you're a Doctor Who fan, you're going to love it. So you can listen there or you could go to our YouTube channel, our SQPN YouTube channel and listen to all of our shows there as well. So, guys, uh, it looks like it was the Cartmel Master Plan. basically yeah (laughs) before before we get into the episode i want to mention briefly something that i've talked about before which is kind of how we get to this point Mm -hmm. you know uh, because uh, chibnall has established off camera that gallifrey has been destroyed and chibnall has established off camera the cyber empire has been destroyed and i've commented about i'm not i'm not wild about this destroying empires off of off stage and then having them come back having us just told about this by characters afterwards. Um, And it put me in mind of a play or an account of a play by Stephen Leacock. Stephen Leacock is one of my favorite humorists. He was a Canadian economist 100 years ago, but he also wrote humor on the side. And he has a, a book called Behind the Beyond, in which he satirizes a modern play. Um, uh, and the play itself is called Behind the Beyond. And during the course of this play, we meet a character named Lady Cecily, and between Acts 2 and 3, she goes off to Switzerland and dies. So when we come back at the beginning of Act 3, all of a sudden Lady Cecily is dead. And Leacock describes the audience's reaction like this. Lady Cecily dead. Everyone in the theater gasps. Dead. But what an unfair way to kill her. To face an open death on the stage in fair hand-to-hand acting is one thing, but this new (laughs) system of dragging off characters to Switzerland between the acts and then returning and saying they're dead is quite another. And that's how I feel. I mean, don't drag Gallifrey and the Cyber Empire off to Switzerland and come back and tell us they're dead. Show it to us. Just thinking of the, the Cyber Empire, just to see some of that. I mean, they could have pulled a good story out of that, the whole cyber war and everything. You know, well, much less the, the, the master destroying Gallifrey. So, the, I mean, they did this once before, right? This was how the... The, the time the, war. The, well, yeah, this is how 
who returned to screen to the to the small screen was yeah. oh by the way the uh, Gallifrey's gone the, uh, the the Daleks are gone and I mean I wasn't a fan then watching then but I can I can imagine fans you watching were kind of astounded that they would do this in between yeah and I that at least I mean they hinted there was going to be this big mysterious event there that there had been this big mysterious event that we would eventually get more detail on. Mm-hmm. And then they gave that to us over the course of several years. We progressively learned more about it. By the 50th anniversary special, we saw the time war itself. And and so I'm more OK with that. But I don't get the feeling we're going to go back in the same way and explore exactly how the master killed single handedly, apparently everyone on Gallifrey, because he didn't appear to have any allies he was working with. In this case, it's not like he brought in the Cybermen and had them kill everybody. He seems to have done it by himself. And I don't think we're going to get detail on that. I think that's just a throwaway for convenience to get us to this point, because Chibnall, I think, decided he didn't want Gallifrey around because it takes too much of the mystery out of the doctor. Mm. Yeah, which so, is the, which is the reason they got rid of it in between anyway was to make right. the doctor more mysterious. He's the lone survivor of Krypton. Well, it, it's it, it, I I just I really feel like the the difference between how they started the series because it was, you know they were starting the series in two thousand five with a clean slate. You know, any a lot of this back history is gone. They don't have to worry about it. They can start kind of from fresh mm-hmm. while still pulling on that back history. This just seems. Yeah, I. I just see, I don't know, almost trying to duplicate that. And, you know, I, one thing I mentioned when we talked about the Jadoon episode is this feels that it felt like a, you know, a kind of a hat tip to Russell T Davies. Well, this almost the whole destruction of Gallifrey and, you know, spoilers, it's definitively destroyed, you know, like supposedly. Well, in not, this episode. not physically, but all life there is destroyed. Yeah, by all, the end all, of everything this. organic is gone. So, yeah. Anyways, can, can always reseed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's it just feels like he's saying, well, this worked great for Russell T. Davies and I really like Russell T. Davies. So I'm going to do the same thing Russell T. Davies did and completely wipe out Gallifrey. I don't know. I mean, it's just give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that 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 he would have thought of it in that fashion, but more of I think it goes back to this Cartmill master plan, which we're going to get to this at, at the end as as we wrap things up in this episode. But I think just as an initial thought. I think he's thinking, how do we bring more mystery back to the doctor? That was the Cartmel Master Plan's right. uh, the whole shtick. Purpose. Was, how do yeah? How do we bring more mystery back to the doctor? And we've had so much take place on Gallifrey more than ever before in 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 the twelfth uh, Doctor's time, I think. And then even you know, with the the regeneration of the tenth Doctor, we had so much of Gallifrey keep entering into it that a lot of the mystery was gone, and you had the constant interaction with with Gallifrey and this constantly sitting well, there. I, I, I think that's a scrupulous showrunner thing. Um, I don't think I, I've never thought that Gallifrey demystified. I mean, I'm fine with having a more mysterious doctor, so I'm mm-hmm. fine with what they did in this mm-hmm. episode. But I don't think knowing about Gallifrey or even seeing Gallifrey once every few seasons is a problem. Um, I mean, like, for example, uh, when we saw it at the end of the war games, that was significant. You know, I didn't yeah. think that deflated the doctor when we saw it in the three doctors. That was significant. That didn't deflate the doctor. When mm-hmm. we saw the Time Lords put um, uh, Tom Baker on uh, in Genesis of the Daleks, 
That involved Gallifrey and interaction. And we haven't even had anything like that in New Who. Uh, mm-hmm. We've only ever in New Who had brief moments of of the Doctor interacting with Gallifrey, and they've never, like, sent him on a mission. He's never cooperated with them. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, but I think, like, with, with um, the 12th Doctor, Capaldi's Doctor, going to Gallifrey and interacting mm-hmm. at a pretty in-depth level. Yeah, one episode. Well, there was several, but yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking that that the idea is probably to isolate the doctor again. The doctor is mm-hmm. interesting when the doc- when 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 he or she is cut off from his or her people, and Except that's what time, they're doing. Time machine. The doctor can see his people anytime he wants. Right. Right. Well, let's let's talk about this episode, and and uh, we'll as we wrap things up, we'll all we'll we'll come back to this. Uh, topic and, and especially the implications of what happens. Uh, so we begin with we we pick up from last time. This is the second part of a two parter. So we pick up with the master having just come through the boundary to the boundary planet from Gallifrey, and now he's saying to the doctor, "All right, you need to come with me back to Gallifrey because to to learn the truth that I've been hinting at since the first episode of the season, and uh, you have but you have to leave all the humans here behind permanently." Uh, you know, for, to to die at the hands of the Cybermen. Um, and if you don't agree to this, I'm going to start shrinking them. I'll, I'll start com- using my compression weapon to shrink them down to nothing. Yeah, I, I like in this scene, this is, I like when we get to see the two sides of the master where he's being mm-hmm. bad, but not completely bad. And so even though he does not want them to come through um, and is willing to use the tissue compression eliminator on them uh, to get the doctor to go along, as he's leaving, he says, "Good luck, humans." Yeah, yeah, and I, and I like that. <laughs> Just to sort of reiterate, the master in this is the master like the uh, master that Sasha Dewan's master. Oh. Yes, yeah, the, he's he is a lot like uh, a little like Missy, but more like oh, what's his name, uh, Harold Saxon, the Saxon master, who's who is uh, crazy on the edge of losing it all the time. Where unlike the Roger Delgado master, unlike the the classic who masters, um, you know th- that yeah. we know, and so Missy he was even, a little he even less has a Daffy Duck moment in this episode. <laughs> yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he he, he I, I enjoy his uh, you know the uh, this the session ones master. I mean, it's really kind of manic and he, crazy. He's and... not quite as manic though as the John Sims master. Yeah, not right. as over the top. Right. And that John and the last time we saw the Johnson's master with the twelfth doctor, he was a lot less so. He was a lot more in control. Uh, yeah. Hey, so anyway, the uh the, the humans they go, go ahead. They go so the doctor and the master go through Stargate to get to Gallifrey mm-hmm. and yep. then the Galactica does an atmospheric jump in. <laughs> That's right. Over yep. the algae planet. Right. And uh, so that there's the cyber carrier and the Cybermen regain the ship while the, the Graham and Yaz and their friends are are uh, running away from them. And then when they when the master and the doctor arrive in Gallifrey, the master says, look upon my work, doctor, and despair, which is a nice connection. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a quote quotation. It's a bit it's he's adapted it a little but It's a quotation yeah. from the poem Ozymandias by Percy by Shelley. And the doctor's going to th- at the end of the episode, the doctor is going to throw a Walt Whitman quote right back at him. So you have this Doctor Master Poetry Smackdown quotation <laughs> duel over the course of this episode. Well, and we just saw Percy Shelley, who yeah. who held the Siberium not long as, ago. As, as the first part of the three part 
series. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was wondering, is this a coincidence or, or just a, a happy coincidence or was it intentional? I don't know. So um, the the master now reminisces uh, about, you know, being being back in Gallifrey. Remember, doctor, that's where we used to run through the, the streets when we were ditching class. And uh, to and escape now, from Barusa, who we know, Barusa. Yep. which who was Barusa? That was Barusa. It was a time lord who was he was one of the cardinals and he was also like the mentor of the doctor. OK, OK. Was he, was he Lord President 1.2? Yeah, I believe so. And then the Master sort of revels in all the death that he's that he's caused. Uh, you know, that sort of the, the crazy uh, thing comes out. And uh, he then warns the doctor that, by the way, I know what you're thinking. I can see in your eyes. You're going to you're thinking about how you're going to try to save all the all your little human friends and just stop it. And uh, so we <laughs> have the, the we, so we had TARDIS separation. Now we have doctor separation or companion mm-hmm. separation from the doctor. So that our classic plot devices are are up here. Uh, now Graham, meanwhile, comes up with the idea of the the humans on board the cyber carrier putting on cyber armor and using that to sneak off the ship. Uh, which I'm glad someone points out. You know that those that armor is full of like body parts, right? Yeah, human remains. Yeah, yeah but uh, they they say human remains, but it actually they're not rotting in there. I mean, it's right. not. No skeletons and decomposed ick it's just you got to take the host out of there or you got to right. take the the human part out right but it should be it, it it might be a little bloody i guess but it won't be you know decay yeah given no. how integrated they probably are it's not probably not a pleasant process uh, it's probably probably better than like climbing into a dalek which we've seen where they've ripped the the dalek part out and climbed yeah. in. so right right uh, so uh, on the Boundary Planet, Ryan and uh, um, Kosharmis and Ethan are uh, preparing to take up arms to defend themselves against the uh, the, the Cyberman execution squads that have been uh, beamed down. And- yeah, because the master got in his iPhone and told the Cybermen to come through. Yeah. Um. And but take care of those humans that are there. Right. So yep. the ones he just wished good luck. Now he he and and the dialogue went by a little fast, but it seems like the master doesn't care whether they're killed or assimilated. assimilated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. But do one of those. I mean, send out an extermination patrol or a recruitment patrol or yep. whatever you call it. Right. Um. And then the head cyber the lone cyberman says send extermination squads so he's not interested in converting them or upgrading them um and we'll find out why i liked how the master when he's talking on his iphone to the lone cyberman he he uses 1970s cb slang yep he says yeah. breaker one two calling all cybs <laughs> that, yeah. that citizens band radio slang from the 1970s breaker breaker good buddy yep. um also uh i like how ryan is talking to gandalf and he says i'm not too sure about weapons so he's like bought into the doctor who woke virtue signaling that's been right. thrown off for two seasons and gandalf it just throws it back in his face and says you could be a pacifist tomorrow today you have to survive right Yep. Fight Which or is die. Like, Thank you for the real <laughs> politic. Yeah. And, yep. you know, I had an interesting discussion with my wife as we watched this about this. And, you know, we, we noted that last episode, Ryan and the doctor and the others had no problem using uh, certain kinds of weapons on the Daleks, as long as they, mm-hmm. I mean, the Daleks, on the Cybermen, as long as they didn't look like guns. Uh, mm-hmm. And and how sometimes it feels like if it, that it's really the doctor's objection is to, th- is to weapons that look like 
guns as opposed to, you know, with triggers mm-hmm. as opposed to weapons. She uses weapons uh, in, in, in previous doctors have used weapons. Yeah. Including in this episode. Right. But lots but, and lots of big weapons. Yes. Including the last one, by the way. Yeah. But it's not yeah. it's not a gun. So it's OK. Uh, it's so uh, it's kind of kind of funny how that plays into it. But Ryan uh, <laughs> picks up picks up his uh, laser gun and he's. And his basketball bomb, which his, we'll get his, to in a second. His basketball bomb, yeah. Yeah, I like how they, Ryan, who we saw in the first episode of the season playing basketball with his mates back in uh, Sheffield, uh, admits he's not a very good basketball player. Because we know <laughs> from last season that Ryan has this coordination issues due to right. whatever, mm-hmm. whatever condition he has. And uh, so... Dyspraxia. This, thank you. Thank you. And uh, But he manages to, to lob that thing right into the middle um, of, the, of, shot, yeah. of the... Perfect shot, yeah. Of the squad. Yeah. And I like how they set it up with the very first episode with him playing basketball as a nice callback. That yeah, yep. that was a long yeah, that was a long setup. Um, <laughs> so the uh, so we're back at the Citadel of Gallifrey. The Doctor mm-hmm. and the Master are inside the Citadel at this point, and they're in a room called the Matrix Room, which is yes. right next to the Panopticon. The Panopticon is where is kind of like the central meeting place for the Time Lord Council and yep. stuff. And the master alludes to he and the doctor having graduated in that room and mm-hmm. also killing presidents, which is a direct reference yep. to what the master did in the Deadly Assassin. Yep. Right. And Worth also the Matrix up. features in the Deadly Assassin. And I thought this episode's use of the Matrix, and I guess we should explain for people who may not be familiar with it, but the Matrix is the is the repository of all Time Lord knowledge. It's like a big holographic data bank. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the past, when they've gone into the Matrix, it's been for purposes of it being a malfunctioning holodeck. So you mm-hmm. go into the Matrix and somebody's trying to kill you uh, using holographic imagery. And and I've never liked that. It's mm-hmm. like I already have a fantastic environment. You're not going to you know, we're already on Gallifrey. It's not going to make it any more fantastic for me to pretend we're in a holodeck and someone's trying to kill you. Um, so I thought this use of the Matrix, where it's actually performing its function of memory storage and right. retrieval, was the best use of the Matrix I've seen on screen so far. It, it stores the Katra of all Time Lords, past and present. Yeah. All of their thoughts and yep. consciousness and living and dead. Uh, which seemed like it's basically the internet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. so the, the, the master yet, yeah, like you mentioned, invites the Cybermen to come to Gallifrey. Um, and then, uh, Oh, I, I did miss the point where, uh, as you call him, Gandalf, uh, uh, Kosharmus, uh, mm-hmm. he tells uh, Ryan and Ethan to, as they're preparing for battle, gird your loins, gentlemen. And Ryan's like, I, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh, I know what that means, but it's like wrap your, your, uh, lo- your robe around yourself. Uh, so Graham, so there's this nice moment between Graham and Yaz as they're preparing to put on the cyber armor, uh, where he stops to tell Yaz how he impressed he is by her. He, he thinks mm-hmm. that she's, the best person he's ever met, and perhaps the best human. It seemed a little over the top. Uh, I, that's I have in my notes. Graham over the top praises Yaz, yeah. and it risks coming off as creepy old man interest in young woman. It's it, so over the top. Yeah, mm. uh, well, I mean, you're the best person I've ever met. Come on, is it deserved? I mean, have we seen? Well, that's enough? the other thing. Is yeah. it felt like informed attributes? We're telling the audience how great Yaz is, but we haven't seen Yaz be that great that consistently. I mean, she's yeah. been better, but in fact, fans have been complaining about Yaz hasn't had enough to do. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And and to just then start telling her she's the best person Graham has ever met comes off as hollow. Yeah, we've seen a few moments where she's really stepped up this season, but not enough to really justify this. I did yeah. like how she's like goes back and you're pretty good too. <laughs> and he's like, Is that yeah. it? He gets really <laughs> offended over that. It's like, hey, I I just gushed about you and you you just said I'm okay. It, <laughs> yeah. And then she says, Oh, well, I'm from I'm from Yorkshire. That's that's high praise. <laughs> That's gushing. That's a love letter. That's yeah, a love yeah. letter, right? And, it, and it's also a literary device known as bathos, where you use uh, understatement to make a point, like yeah. Saul of Tarsus saying he's from Tarsus, which is no common city. Right. Yeah. No <laughs> right. common city means it's really great. And you're yeah. not such mm-hmm. a bad human means you're a really great human. That's right. So uh, the the doctor and the master are in the uh, the matrix chamber, and he tells her that you know he was hacking the matrix system, as you do, and... Uh, he and that's when he stumbled on everything, and mm-hmm. he and he puts her in this paralysis field for for whatever reason, like because he thinks that she's going to try to escape from him or something, and then sends her deep into the matrix to find out the truth about herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, Me- mean meanwhile, he's on the outside talking to the lone Cyberman, right? And yep. he's he explains for the audience that he his he's so. He's so mentally powerful, he can be dealing with the doctor in the Matrix and be talking to the Cyberman so he can be in two places at once mentally, right, which is yeah. great. I like that. <laughs> yeah. um, also, he had a, he had I a like... Great line, he had a great mm-hmm. line when the, the doctor first appears in the Matrix. Are you suffering comfortably? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. As opposed to, are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. <laughs> Again, which is the classic BBC children's presenter type thing. Right. <laughs> Also, I like when he's talking with uh, with Ashad, the lone Cyberman, he's he's noting that, um, you know, why are you wanting to kill all organic life? I mean, you have organic components too. you more than most. I mean, I don't want a conversion shame you, yeah. which is such a great line because he is ashamed of his conversion. Right. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he, that he it was wanted incomplete. to be fully. Yep. Yeah. Um, and but then he's trying to strike an alliance with the Cyberman. Which we've seen the master do before, you know, in uh, World Enough in Time and Dark Water, sort of. Yep. Right. The master is always trying. To, the thing is, you know that the master, no matter what, when he's uh, trying to make an alliance with someone, it's it's never that he's he's willing to be subject to them. You know, his plan is what is to betray them at some point. Uh, you know that it, he's got Betray his own them agenda. or take them over or yes. rule them or yeah, at least use them until they're no longer useful. Right. Yep. Uh, so the meanwhile, Ashad has to go uh, take care of the stowaways, Graham and Yaz and the others, uh, and goes and he wants to do it himself because you know he doesn't want to delegate it. Apparently, um, yeah, this is a, yeah, <laughs> it's just typical. But he he shows up in the room and they're in the suits inside the uh, the the uh, stasis chambers. And we have this very creepy moment where he's, you know, staring at them and, they, and you can see them staring out through the eye holes of the uh, of the of the uh, helmet. Helmets. And and he's yep. like looking in it. And we have another like uh, was it Yaz who had the tear like the yes. stress of it was yep. causing like a tear to run down. Um, I'm not sure what they were going with that, where he was sensing something about them that that there was he was sensing. Well, he emotion. was actually like sniffing that something smelled different and he couldn't quite figure it out like right. you actually hear him sniffing like he's you know yeah. the suit and then there's even a moment where it, it seems to come from graham's uh uh cardboard box that he's in uh he drops something and you hear this little ping and the side the ashad spins around 
But before he can investigate further, he gets over the intercom oh. that we're in the perfect position to go through the Stargate. Yeah. Right. Now, the, the, uh, they did. The reason why he went down investigated is because they got an alert that some of these units had gone offline. Yeah, that's right. Someone had tampered with them. So he figured they and were. That's, in there. that's what he was investigating is who, which you what happened with these units. All right. So now the next is where we get the key information in this episode. This is where the big reveal is. The master tells the tale of Tecteun, uh, a Sheboygan. I'm sorry, Sheboygan. Yeah, I thought not Sheboygan from, is not from Sheboygan. Wisconsin. I, <laughs> and I, I, thought that, I also thought of the Bogans from the Star Wars draft. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the, uh, the, the, the master tells the tale of Tecteun from the pre. The, the Sheboygan were the, the people who lived on Gallifrey in its prehistory, the original residents. The indigenous species, and this is uh, this is something that is neat because here Chibnall is not making something up, and he's not drawing it from previous televised stories. This is coming from the expanded media. No. Um, I, I went back and I and researched it, and when we've had the uh, native non time lords, the native Gallifreyans mentioned before. On screen, the word Shabogan is never used in the previous scripts. I, I, I looked up on TARDIS Wikia for the Shabogans, and there's bunches of references in the spinoff media. But and they even li list some uh, TV stories where they're mentioned. But I went and looked at the transcripts of those TV stories, and they're never called the Shabogans in those. So this is uh, right. Chibnall taking something from the spinoff media and elevating it to on-screen presence. Interesting. And and what the the TARDIS wiki refers to them as previously they were just seen as people living on the fringes of of time lord civilization. Yeah. Right. So they're so they're basically you know in the in the doctor's time, the present time, they're they're sort of people who've been left behind, but in the originally they were the original inhabitants and this Tecteun was the first Gallifrey, the first person from Gallifrey, the first Shabogan, to go out into space. To invent space travel all by herself because woman power or something. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. she doesn't need NASA. Right, right. This is like, well, not just invent space travel, but invent it to the point where you can travel to other worlds. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty yeah, fantastic. FTL. <laughs> so uh, she, she, in her explorations, uh, she finds this gateway, a boundary, which, by the way, is it the same as the boundary they just traveled through? It looks a lot like it. The special effect does. Yeah, I, yeah, but the, it does. And I think there's meant to be a connection of some kind, but the, there's no architecture near it like that. Also, the right. boundary that we've been playing with goes elsewhere in our universe. But the master tells us this goes to an unknown dimension or universe. Right. And it's like, how do you know that if you don't go through it? Right. Unless, well, yeah, I mean, maybe it's something about it tells you that it's maybe the advanced the advanced sensors that she had on her ship told her and blah 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 or something she yeah. invented in her spare time uh, exactly. as well as space travel and warp drive <laughs> yep exactly so, uh she well we don't know how long these people live maybe the shabogans lived a thousand years anyway but anyway uh at this boundary she encounters a child and th this is where we see we see now that image that the doctor got in again well you know earlier on in the season that pre-flash or flashback, this is where we see the same child, the same architecture and this boundary. And this child was thrown through from the other realm. And she had a decision to 
you know, to take the foundling and make her her own child to adopt her or to leave her behind, which I'm not sure, you know, who would leave a child all alone behind, but she she didn't. I want to know how long she stayed there before taking the child to see if the child's parents would come for it. Yeah. And what did the child have to say about herself? Or since you're an explorer, why don't we go through this boundary and see if your parents are on the other side? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so they return to Gallifrey. The child remains a mystery until one day she dies in an accident and is regenerated. And this is the, we are told, this is the first regeneration on Gallifrey. So this is the first confirmation that but the, before this, there were no Time Lords who regenerated. And it's eerily similar to what happened to Brendan in Ireland, where instead of being shot and falling over a cliff, the little girl is struggling over a toy laser gun with her friend and she accidentally falls over the cliff. And who knows? Maybe this is the this is maybe why? Sigmund Freud was right in early childhood traumas scar you yeah. for the rest of eternity. And this is where her fear of guns comes from. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, the the other half of the duct, uh, the master's consciousness is is talking to the Cybermen, and he offers Gallifrey to them as as raw material for them. You know, they've always been trying to conquer it, and so now they can have it. Ashad, the lone Cyberman, says, "Actually, we've never we've never had the Cybermen on Gallifrey before." Well, but he says not, in, not this on is, screen, right? But he says that this has always been your goal, or this is something. Yep. So the master says well, he, it, but it's never been. He goes back and forth about that. He says, maybe, maybe none. Of, at first, he says, this is what your forebears have fantasized about for all this time. But then right. later he says, I don't know, maybe you never thought of this before. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he was going back and forth. But of course, it's the master. So he could be just being sarcastic about, oh, you've never thought about this before. Right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that, that comes up is, is that the Ashad, the cyber leader, reveals what, the, again, he said last episode, and he, he kind of goes into more detail now. His goal is the destruction of all organic life in the universe using this death particle that the Siberian created and that he houses within his chest, like yeah. in Tony Stark's uh, arc reactor. <laughs> that is chest. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the problem I have with that, though, is he says he, he wants the death of everything, all organic life. And then they nerf it later by saying, oh, we heard we heard a legend about this death particle being just destruction of organic life on a planet. Yeah. So you need multiple death particles. You need a death particle for every planet. Exactly. But that, and they, I noticed they kind of walked that back to make it less dramatic later on. That's something that you could smooth over with dialogue. You could have just mentioned that qualifier right up front. Uh, but so we've got this death particle that he says the Siberian made from him. And also, so now we find out what the ascension of the Cybermen that the last episode was named after is about. It, apparently yeah. what he was doing, because he says, my new Cybermen have been purged of organic components. So apparently when that Cyberman, when he was like drilling on that Cyberman in the previous episode and the Cyberman was screaming, apparently he was killing the organic components mm -hmm. of the Cyberman. And yeah. so his new Cybermen don't have that. And then after he's wiped out uh or done what he needs to he's going to kill his own organic components and uh and he go full mechanized. automation yeah. yeah and i love the master's reaction like so you just want to become robots any idiot can become a robot like, yeah you swing a stick like, in the universe and hit robots i used to do that <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's not special it's it, and then he says let's workshop it i have notes which is totally yeah. <laughs> a hollywood sort of thing <laughs> i love that are you questioning the siberium's plan i am because it's good, but it's not 
great. Great. <laughs> it, totally, it totally sounds like a network executive. Uh, so I can imagine who uh, Chris Chibnall is thinking of, must be thinking of at, at this moment. Uh, so, so then we we hop back to the doctor in the Matrix, um, where she meets Neo. No, I'm sorry. But uh, she, <laughs> Tech Dayun's investigation of her child took years, you know, they, they we're told. And goes through several regenerations. Now, yeah, what's up with, I mean, did they keep yeah. falling off cliffs? How reckless was the doctor as a or, child? Why or, did she go through so oh, many? I didn't, I didn't take it like that. I, I took it I the took way Father like Corey did. went Looney Tunes and started basically killing her kid to see over how many times the kid would regenerate. That's the other possibility, and it yep. also occurred to me, but, I mean, really? Were Tech to Yuna's portrayed otherwise? As well, the, being... the master in his dialogue made it yeah. sound like she became obsessed. Yeah. Like, absolutely uh, obsessed. And I could yeah, see someone but... becoming that obsessed. Uh. I don't know. We I counted them, and there's seven regener right. or seven incarnations, so six regenerations yep. that the child has. And I, wow, it, would that be dark? That that's <laughs> pretty dark. I, and I, I mean, I think that makes more logical sense than being like the, the most uh, self destructive well, child in history. <laughs> she wanted she wanted to figure out what caused the regenerations. What better way to do that than study than cause the, the regeneration undergoing regeneration? Oh, yeah. I know as it's happening. So I you know. got to, if you're going to do it in a control environment, yeah, I know. Oh, I it's know. dark. It's dark and nasty. Dark. And I have a feeling that's exactly what they were implying. Well, I, yeah, I, I personally don't like that. Um, I mean, <laughs> think about the recklessness of that. You've, yep. you're, oh, yes. you've, you've adopted this child. The child falls off a cliff. You think the child is dead. There's a big explosion of stuff. And then you have a new child. My first thought is not going to be, let's throw the child off a cliff again. You know, no, I, even if I suspect this could there. happen again, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I don't know that this is going to happen again. And if it exactly. doesn't, I'm going to be responsible for the child's death. Yeah, um, I prefer a happier theory where <laughs> you're right, Dom, and Shabogans live for a thousand years anyway, and the doctor's species, whatever it is, doesn't. It, it doesn't. And so she lived several lives that way. Either uh, that or there were a bunch of accidents in the lab that yeah. Tech Tayun didn't cause. Given how <laughs> given how dark other Time Lord leaders like Grasslawn and others have been, how cold blooded and cruel, uh, I, I have a feeling that at the root of all that is Tech Tayun. I don't know. Mm, I, oh, well, off the deep end. I want to hear from the listeners. What do you think? You know, is Tech Tayun mm -hmm. a homicidal maniac? <laughs> Or a or, loving mother, or a loving mother who's a loving mother mother who's child. homicidal. Yes. So let's <laughs> let's hear from you. So anyway, uh, Technion finally figures it out the secret and splices the DNA into herself. The, this genetic ability to regenerate and becomes as the you first. Do, which as is, you do. I mean, this really comes out of science history. Scientists will experiment on themselves oh, like yes. this. Yeah. Uh, there was the guy who figured out uh, that you can use um, antibiotics to treat ulcers. Because right. everyone thought it was something else, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no. This is this is this is microbio. This is uh, this is uh, microbes doing the uh, these ulcers, and I'm going to prove it." And he gave himself ulcers microbially, and then cured himself. Yeah, hmm. I mean, because really, ethically, you can't do it to another human being, so you do it to yourself. So you, uh, well, you can't legally do it to, <laughs> right. to other human beings and you can't uh, it's even I mean, it's really is Reed Richards and the gang getting on the spaceship to go up in the untested system. <laughs> right. <Yep>. Right. <laughs> the Fantastic Four. So 
Gallifrey, you know, the master says, becomes a self-appointed ruling elite over the universe. They artificially restricted the number of regenerations to 12. That's something we right. talked about last time. And that's also well in the spinoff media. But then it's yeah. it, that because uh, we've on screen from the five doctors forward, we've known they could give additional cycles of regenerations. Mm. And right. in the spinoff media, it's been well, well discussed that this was artificial. We talked about Trial of Elliard, where that comes up. Right. Yes. And the Big Finish production. Big yep. Finish. So. Um, and they kept the secret of the Timeless Child to themselves. And then the master does, tells her what we already knew, which is the, the doctor is the Timeless Child. So uh, that then blows her mind. Uh, so uh, <laughs> which that's the reference to something that's we'll going there. Up. Yeah. And we'll talk about the implications of all this again, like I said, at the end. So but back on the boundary planet, Ryan and the others, the Ethan and uh, Gandalf are running through the maze of, of tents to hide from the Cybermen. You, I'm not sure why the Cybermen don't just like knock down all the tents, but that's that's OK. And uh, Ethan is captured and they think he's about to get killed, uh, that they're going to, you know, because they can't get to him in time. And they hear all these shots, and then it ch- turns out that half of the Cybermen that were holding him were actually Graham and Yaz and the others who showed up in their suits and and uh, took out the Cybermen holding Ethan. Um, the Master, this was a surprise to me. And, and I like how after they take them out, Graham gets a comedic line of because Yaz has pulled off her helmet and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and <laughs> says, does it make sense now? And then Graham is like tugging on his and he says, Yaz, I can't get this hat off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the ma- so the master uh, is with Ashad on the cyber carrier, conf- you know, meets him, confronts him and suddenly minimizes him, like compresses him. Uh, like out well, of the blue, it's, it's set up though because yeah. he, the, he says, "Come on, Siberium, show us some leg. What do you really look like?" Right, and the, and Ashad says, "The Siberium won't leave me as long as it's I'm alive." alive. And yep. and so he go he turns his back and says, "Oh, okay, okay." Swam, and he shrinks yeah. him. Yep. And yes. then I love how a minute later it's like, "Oh, I should have said somebody needs to cut you down to size. I'll use it <laughs> yeah. next time." Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was this a chance for a quick line. Yeah, that was great. Oh, that because we always do that, right? You always think of the great line you should have said, like in the moment, and just later. Yeah. Um, but it was. I thought it was like a sudden, like this is the end of Ashad's storyline. No more Ashad. No more yeah. of his plan. Yeah. Um, no more information about who he was or what he was all about. It's just yep. boom. And it was that sudden is, and I, I shocking. Was, I would think it was completely fitting. And, and it oh, was, yeah. you know, because you can see the master's wheels were turning. It's like, oh, you've got something more powerful that you have and I want. I will right. get it from you. And from a story perspective, it's time at the, in this story to move to the master's plan. Like, yeah. that's really what this is about. So he, he now plays Let's Make a Deal with the Siberium. Well, before and... he does that, I like this moment where mm-hmm. he picks up the little toy figure now. And he's like, well, I really thought that that would activate the death particle. And we and he kind yep. of is is disappointed that he didn't die in that moment. Exactly. He says he would have been OK with it. But here we all are still alive. Right. So, yep. so it's it's part of the master madness of I am kind of suicidal, but I'm also if I'm not going to die, I'm going to dominate. Yes, exactly. So you were saying, Jimmy, the uh, the next thing it's. Yeah. So he plays, let's make a deal with the Siberium. And the Siberium gets on board with this because he says, look, I've got all the knowledge of the Matrix. You've got all the knowledge of the Cybermen. Let's get together and make cyber babies. And <laughs> um, and so the Siberium starts to goes into him. And this is when he has his Daffy Duck moment. 
right. where no, he's just cool. like freaking out in a Daffy Duck like <laughs> ooh way, kind of <laughs> yeah. dancing around and yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I noticed the fickleness of the Siberium. Yeah, because originally the Siberium was on board. Well, originally we don't know, but when the Siberium was working with Ashad, it was like wanting to kill all organic life. But now it's on board with the master's plan of let's not kill all organic life, but let's dominate anyway. Well, and and then when and, it was with Shelley, it was like, I don't want to be part of the Cybermen at all. Right. And yeah. then and so and, but I was thinking about back to Shelley and yeah. when the Siberian was out of him for the first time, mm-hmm. um, the Siberian seems to not really have much agency. Um, it seems to be an artificial intelligence that is slaved to whatever actual right. intelligence it's inhabiting. Hmm. And so when it's in Shelley, it doesn't want to be part of the Cybermen. Then it doesn't know whether to go with the doctor or a shod. It could go with either one. Yep. And then when it goes with a shod, it adopts a shod's ideology of we're going to kill all organic life because he's ashamed of being organic. And then when it goes into the master, it's like, no, we're not going to kill all organic life. We're going to dominate it instead. And so it seems to just be an AI that is not like Skynet that rules everything. It, oh. it genuinely serves whoever's in charge of well, it. Well, it's I, I really got kind of the impression that it, it's meant to be kind of basically a self-aware database, if you will, where it, it's, yeah. it's artificial intelligence, but it's artificial intelligence for the purpose of distributing information, all the information it has stored within it. Right. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. act on its own. Well, uh, except when well, it does. Yeah. yeah, it's an it is an intelligent. It's artificial intelligence. So I think it's more than just Google that stores information. No, I, I, what, what I mean, though, is, is it's it's not going to have its own um, agenda I, ideas and yeah. plans. It's like, OK, I'm going to make you I'm going to help you get your plans put in place as easily and quickly as possible. Right. But it It'll doesn't be- have any of its own own self plans of, for world domination or anything like that. Right. It's just like you want information. Here it is. And here's more. And here's more. Yeah, right. and it'll help develop strategy for you, but yeah. you're the general setting the strategic goals. Yeah, exactly. So back in the Matrix, the the doctor, you know, tells the master, it's all lies. And he says, no, for the first time ever, it's the truth. And then he he's enraged. He rages at her that what really makes him mad is that everything he is, all that he is, is because there's a piece of her in him. The fact mm-hmm. that. All that he is as the master, as a time lord, as a regenerator, is because part of the doctor makes it possible. And that's what really has put him (laughs) even more over the edge than he normally is. Yeah. And this, I thought, was nice because this is so devastating to him. He assumes it's going to be devastating to her, too. Right. Which, in the end, it's not going to be once she has a chance to deal. But he's assuming, oh, this was devastating to me to learn it's all because of you. And and so he assumes she's going to be devastated as well. But because uh, he always wants to bring the doctor down to her to his level. You know, that's right. a longstanding pattern with the master. Also, I thought it did a nice job of explaining why the master would want to destroy Gallifrey. Um, because and because remember, when we first got this concept that he was the one that did it, I said, it's going to be hard to come up with something that will make sense for we understand why the master would want to do that yep. and how that would be justified in his eyes. What secret would be so bad? Well, from his perspective... I've only lived as long as I have and been able to do the things I've done because I've got a part of the doctor in me. Yeah. 
Right. And everybody that, else here has a part of the doctor in them, too. And they lied to us about this. It's like burn it all to the ground. <laughs> right. Know? Right. So and then he gives her this the, the last bit of information that's in the Matrix about her, uh, about revealing this Section 31 <laughs> group called like, the Division. Yeah. We, we exist, but we don't exist. And that somehow, you know, Time Lords don't intervene except when we do. And and so we're given this idea that we, we like a hint of some more information that maybe you know, future seasons will reveal to us yeah. of what the doctor did as part of the division. And uh, and we get I, I these... want my big finish Dr. Ruth set now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, that'll be interesting. And then uh, there's a whole that this is when she starts. The doctor starts to get flashes of the Brendan storyline, the Irish Garda policeman from last episode. Uh, we we don't get a full explanation, but they 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 don't like explicitly tell us. But it's implied that this was an overlay of a memory on top mm-hmm. of the real memories of what happened to her. Well, and they they flashed in that that meeting where there's the two of them there with that lead woman who's talking, right? And it's flashing back and forth between that and the meeting at yeah. at the I, Garda. Right. I think they were pretty explicit about it. The master says that your mom, Tech Tayun, uh, put this as an overlay over these memories so that if anyone came across them in the Matrix, they wouldn't realize it was significant and they'd leave it alone. Oh. Because the key part of this meeting where she's being inducted into the division is uh, deleted. And he says there's tons of stuff here that was here and it's all been wiped and I can't recover it. Deleted or, and, or at least encrypted to a point where he can't get at it. Yeah, they were, they were really clear. They kind of kept going back and forth between deleted and is just it gone or is it encrypted not? to the point of yeah. unrecoverable. Yeah. Right. Which are kind of the same thing. Um, I mean, in computer technology, because when you wipe something, you're frequently overwriting it. And, and maybe but it, I don't but know. It, There's the hint but, that we'll find out this stuff later, though. That's, that's, piece, that's my, that's my wondering, too, if they're going to come back to that in this this whole story, of The Division, which, by the way, would make a great spinoff. Um, <laughs> the Division will get yes. covered later. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but the master is pretty explicit about the fact that this is an over these Ireland memories are an overlay that that Tech Tayun put on this data so it wouldn't right. get deleted and you could one day find it and figure it out and realize oh. its significance. So the Ireland sequences are a compressed version of oh. the doctor's life. Yes. You gotcha. have the starting, the finding of the baby, the bringing home of the baby, the adoption, the going over the cl- the joining the guard, the going over the cliff, the retirement with the mind wipe. And then mm-hmm. on the back of the clock, it says for services to the division. Right. Um, right, right, right. And and so, Father, um, Corey, you were right. This was a virtual memory thing that was a symbol of something else. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? That was that was uh, <laughs> really insightful. I just, again, as like I said uh, last episode, it was kind of looking at the filmography of anything else. And, you know, you, you'd mentioned, Jimmy, of course, that's kind of a common thing of when you talk about past memories is used, the sepia tone and all that. But it just it felt so much like because it was so incongruous with everything else that was going on in the episode. Right. Mm-hmm. That this really isn't an actual event, but it is portraying an actual event, just not the actual people involved in the actual setting and everything. Right. You know, where it was that. Uh, symbolic imagery of an actual event, you know, mm-hmm. it just, yeah. it, it really, that's, it, it has kind of made kind of gut feeling of that's mm-hmm. what they were trying to uh-huh. say. Well, I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, also, 
I, it's nice to finally know that uh, the doctor used to be a ginger. And <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's right. Presumably why True. the doctor wants to get back to that. And also, um, it's nice to know finally that uh, Gallifrey is in Ireland or more properly, Ireland was on Gallifrey. There <laughs> right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the master then reveals they come out of the Matrix and the master reveals that his goal is to create a new race using this technology, using the, 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 the regeneration ability. And he regenerates Time Lord bodies from all the Time Lords he killed in cyber armor with the ability. So they have the ability to repair. So if a Cyberman gets shot and dies, he regenerates and is and is alive again, able to fight again. Yeah. So how did he kill them without them regenerating and still have the bodies intact? That's a good question. They don't. Yeah, they don't really say anything about that. With their regeneration cycles intact and maybe even restored to unlimited status. That's the that's the thing. And, you know, maybe the understanding of what allowed them to regenerate was it allowed him to find a way to turn it off for Mm -hmm. him to kill them. So Mm -hmm. perhaps and And then turn it back on. You know, just just kind of top the top of the head thought. This could be the loophole they're going to use to bring the Time Lords back someday. Mm -hmm. Right. To, To get them out of the cyber armor. Yeah. Yep. But by the way, notice this is exactly what Missy did in uh, Dark Water and Death in Heaven, where she used co- human corpses to make a cyber army. Yep. This is the same thing, only now we're not giving the army to the doctor to do with what he wants. Now right. we're keeping it for ourselves. And, uh, and he calls them cyber masters, which is, you know, and he, and he throws on the doctor's which, face that yeah. they're, they're born from you. That you are the root of all of all of these. That they're they're yeah. your children in a sense, uh, born which, from you, but led by me. How yeah. does it feel? <laughs> mm. uh, meanwhile, the rest of the humans they they come through the boundary. Uh, I like this moment where they, the, the Graham is sort of like, okay, you know, someone, you know, one of us is going to have to, you know, to, to approach this, see what happens, and Yaz just walks through it. Like she's just like, nope, I'm going. Boom, and goes right through it. So at least we're having retroactively her living out this praise that Graham gave her. I I hate to say it, but I I think that whole speech by Graham was to set up that moment. Probably, probably. Um, I I think it was also to inform the audience of what a great person Yaz is, despite the fact she hasn't, she's perceived as not having much to do. That's that's probably true too. So uh, the doctor in the matrix sees Dr. Ruth uh, comes to her and uh, you know, that she's having this identity crisis and the dark, you know, have you ever been limited by who you were before? Like the, the, the Dr. Ruth is kind of bucking her up, telling her, Hey, you know, you, you've got this. And, uh, and I wonder, is it really Dr. Ruth or is it just the matrix talking to her or the doctor's own consciousness? I think it pretty much was just, you know, like a matrix construction of Dr. Ruth. It wasn't actually Dr. Ruth herself. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's the, I think it's the matrix manifesting cause it's a mental environment. And so yeah. I think it's the matrix manifesting, the part of the doctor that was Ruth and it's what it's just an externalization of the doctor's own thought process of what would this part of me have said. And then we get this great moment where the doctor realizes that the way to get out of the matrix, like the matrix blew her mind, but now she's going to blow the matrix's mind. And she, she does it with blasting it with all her memories, all of them that she, that That, that she has. That she has. Well, then, then there was a reference of, um, that she'd fought the Matrix before. And of course, we saw yeah. that trial of the Time Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, also the Doctor deadly Lee. assassin. So then we get this great montage, very quick, of yep. all of these memories, including a brief Yay. flash of the fourth Doctor 
with all of the faces from that. Like, remember we, we talked about this before. The Morbius doctors. Yes, the Morbius doctors. They, uh, they are all canon now, which, they, <laughs> which was the original intent. Yeah. yeah, I love the comment I saw online is, boy, Chris Chimno went through a lot of work this season to canonize the the, the Morbius, uh, Morbius doctors. <laughs> Good on him. And we get a, a, a bit a bit of the classic Doctor Who theme there as it, as that wraps up, too. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, it's, uh, and, you know, I, I went through and I went through step by step and there, I mean, there's <laughs> lots and lots and lots and lots of people on here. There's lots mm-hmm. of scenes from this from the Chris Chibnall era of. Doctor Who, but you see all the masters, you see, of course, you see all the doctors, you see a bunch of the companions, you see villains. I mean, it's tons of them. You see the Kablam robot. I mean, yeah, right, I mean, right, right. Some of, yeah, the, some of these are like literally one frame. You see just a person flash on for one frame. Bunch of a uh, bunch of classic, uh, uh, classic Who enemies like the uh, Zygons, classic Zygons and things like that. So, I mean, it's, oh, it's wow. pretty impressive. The clips they pulled together, um, giant and colorized, by the way. The yeah. first and second doctor, those were colorized. Oh, mm-hmm. right, right. One of the best ways to watch this is uh, depending. So I, I was initially watching it streaming and the streaming application wouldn't let me step through it a piece at a time. Right. And obviously it's not out on DVD or Blu-ray yet. Um, but a good way to watch it, if you want to watch it in depth, is there are clips of it already on YouTube. So you can watch it there and then put it on quarter speed. Right. Mm-hmm. And watch it at quarter speed on YouTube in the settings and uh, and it'll make it much easier to process. Also, there is a dissected list. I'm not sure they got everything, but there is a dissected list uh, on the page for the Timeless Children on uh, TARDIS Wikia. <laughs> I can imagine the continuity list on that. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that's where it is. It's in the continuity <laughs> list and it's huge. They even note this has more reuse of on-screen media than any prior episode. <laughs> it's like, do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the, as the doctor is breaking out of the Matrix and gain, regaining consciousness, that's when the companions show up in the Matrix room. And uh, the doctor has to stop the, the new race of Cybermasters. Uh, which have this great costume now that the 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 master's yeah. given them, which combines both the uh, that fan like thing that the time lords have above them as and the cyber armor, and uh, they plan to blow up the cyber carrier. That's their first step. But the doctor knows it's not enough. They need the death particle, of course. The Chekhov's yep. death mm-hmm. particle has to be used, and yep. uh, so the humans go aboard the cyber carrier to set the explosives, and the doctor finds uh, Mini Ashad, and uh, of course. This was a trap laid by the master. He led her to it because he wants to reduce the doctor to his level. He's okay with dying if that happens. He just wants to pull the doctor down. And if not, he wants to dominate. And so the doctor challenges him to a one on one face off in the Matrix chamber. Um, Of course, uh, they set all these bombs on timers. And of course, for plot reasons, they malfunction and they they don't. Now they have to run to get off the cyber carrier instead of having plenty of time to saunter off of it. Somehow Uh, they're able to get just walk off the cyber carrier in time and everything goes boom. (laughs) Yes. uh, Right above them. (laughs) I I love how Graham turns to Gandalf and says, thanks for the warning. And he says, you're alive, aren't you? (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) The cyber cyber carrier blows up. The doctor takes them to a classic TARDIS. Not her yep. TARDIS. Uh, uh, my wife was confused no, with this. Her like, TARDIS is still off on the planet. Yeah, yeah they're just, is there just another TARDIS laying around? I'm like, well, it is Gallifrey. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty there, of TARDIS. There's a number of them, actually. It, yeah. it's, it's like a hang. I mean, it's a hangar. There's a hangar bay at the base of the of the Citadel where they've got lots of TARDISes. Exactly. So she's going to send them away on remote. 
uh, and then use the death particle with an explosive to destroy everything on Gallifrey. So she gets the explosive from Gandalf and it's like, okay, this is for emergency use only. Yep. And she because, says, how does it yeah. trigger? And he's like, manual trigger only. So this is something he was going to use to blow himself up and with yep. any other Cybermen in the vicinity right. in emergency circumstances. Right. And she takes it and it's like, I got to get in there and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, no, Marty, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. You <laughs> are standing in a time machine. Go get one with a timer. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't have you have plenty of time to go find ones. Somewhere in the universe, a bomb with a timer. Uh, you could probably just, make one from stuff laying around inside the TARDIS. Yeah. Oh, just just contact Kerblam and have them send you uh, one of those little kitchen clocks, okay? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You've got uh, Kerblam Prime. They'll get it there in time. Don't worry. So the, the, the doctor says, uh, you know, she goes and confronts the master and, you know, he tells her, like, he thinks he's broken her. And she's like, you haven't broken me. You've given me the gift of knowing myself. Um, it makes her multitudes more. We get that, uh, you know, some doctor uh, grandstanding a little bit. Oh, and, and this was a very interesting exchange between yeah. the two of them because it's it's pounding on the fourth wall. Right. Because mm -hmm. you have all and Chibnall knew in advance the hardcore haters were going to be like, oh, he's broken the doctor. So he has the master saying, I've broken you. Right. And then the doctor is like, no, you haven't broken me. You think this makes me lesser. It makes me more. That's Chris Chibnall's message to the haters. Yep. Right. Uh, he then the doctor then says, you're scared of everything. Not the masters. And he's not scared of everything. That's Chris Chibnall talking to the hater fans. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. The doctor then drops the Walt Whitman line, I contain multitudes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we have closure on our poetry smackdown. And then she says, well, like, like, uh, like Chris Chibnall is talking to the haters. You think I'd be scared because you're scared of everything. I'm not scared mm -hmm. of everything. You know, that he's projecting is, is what she says. Exactly. Um, he wants her to, to blow up the, the death particle. He wants her to take out every life form. She started all of this, yeah. he says, with her her weird DNA. And now she'll have to finish it. And uh, you may have made me, but I have destroyed you, he says. Become death. Become me. You know, destroyer of I become death, destroyer of worlds. Yep. That, that that line as well. Thank you. Thank you, Bhagavad Gita and uh, Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, but then Koshamas uh, shows up, the, 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 the Gandalf figure. Uh, he takes the explosive from her to do the deed himself. And she runs for the TARDIS while... The master of the Cybermen stand there and let it happen. Like what? Shooty, shooty, bang, well, bang. <laughs> so, so they're having this conversation, and the reason the reason she lets him do it is because he says she thinks this is my responsibility. I caused this, right, uh, mm -hmm. by sending the Siberium into the future, and so he one ups her by saying, "No, no, no, you didn't start this." I started this. I was part of the resistance group that sent it back in time, but we didn't send it far enough. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. consequently, um, I need to take responsibility for this. And she's willing to let him do that. And then he says, run, doctor. And immediately she gets behind him. And that's when they. Sh so that's how she gets away. Yeah. Um, she immediately gets behind him to run out the door. Uh, I'm kind of guessing they should have sent the Terminator back in time to like maybe the middle of a sun or like maybe not to yeah. earth <laughs> that might have been better anyway mm -hmm. uh the tardis the that the 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 uh spare tardis that the fam is in it shows up in a 21st century earth neighborhood in london or yorkshire presumably uh disguised as a house um, nobody notices the new house on the block 
<laughs> so that's, you know. that's the uh, that's the the perception filter working as well. Oh, okay, no, okay, that could that's be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, so, just kind of happen to notice, oh, there's a house there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. And we, we should note, though, that so the uh, the doctor, or Koshamas, has a, ma- a confrontation with the master and um, he does get shot. But then we see his thumb press the button anyway. Right. And mm-hmm. there's this massive detonation of the death particle that now should sterilize Gallifrey, including all right. of the corpses the master had on ice. Right. That's true. Uh, that might. So that might not be the way they get back anyway uh the until uh, the next retcon of course of course yeah the doctor uh had before that was able to get aboard uh uh, yet another tardis which she leaves disguised as a tree back on that planet where her tardis is so thankfully Mm -hmm. she gets her old tardis back and she she talks to it nicely well to spend all eternity in in this place not a bad not a bad way to go yeah as a tree talking (laughs) to the tardis as she's walking out Oh, and also uh, says, oh, good chameleon circuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Jadun, so she's in the TARDIS. She's getting ready to go reunite with the fam. And suddenly the Jadun transmat into the TARDIS, which is Cold remarkable. cases unit. Yes. Yep. They call her a fugitive, sends her to life imprisonment, put her in a jail. And she does a 10th doctor thing. What? 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 <laughs> like over <laughs> and over again, which is great. And, and did you notice the jail she's in? It's Shada. The Time Lord Prison Facility, yes. And so they may have sent her back in time because they were supposed to drop her off to their client at the facility. And so she may have gone back in time to when Time Lords are still alive. Right, Mm. right. Interesting. So uh, that's that's where the episode ends. They've uh, already announced that the next episode will be sometime Christmas, New Year's. So we'll find out what's going on with that TARDIS somewhere around christmas new year's oh good or that prison so and it's called revolution of the daleks Uh, in case you can't tell who the bad guy is going to be in that episode um more cybermen had enough cybermen okay uh i guess daleks are going to be the christmas new year's enemy (laughs) yeah so um let's talk about the implications and and perhaps a little bit of the future uh although next next week i i should point out we're going to have an episode where we look back at the whole season and kind of give our thoughts across the season, but some of the implications raised by this episode. uh, Yeah, I've got a bunch to say, but I'm going to save a bunch of it for next episode. By the way, before we depart from the notes on this episode, I liked during part of the Matrix sequence where the Doctor and the Master are outside, but they've grayed out the background except for the two central figures. Mm -hmm. So you see the Doctor and the Master in color, but they're against this landscape with grass and on a hill that's gray, which is just a nice subtle touch to communicate the unreality of this. Mm -hmm. In terms of the overall thing, so I'm pleased. Uh, I have always been a fan of uh, the idea that that there were incarnations before William Hartnell, I think that was clearly implied. I have not been a fan of the twelve regeneration limit. I think it it it. it I mean, they they just came up with it in a throwaway line in a Tom Baker episode as a dramatic device, as a storytelling element. I I thought well. Okay, it has very little impact on the current cycle of then classic who, because we're in the fourth incarnation. Right now, since we saw eight in the eight previous incarnations in the more in the brain of Morbius, um, Mm -hmm. you could say, oh, Tom Baker is the 12th. So we're about to have the last regeneration. And they could have tried to milk drama out of it at that time. Right. And they didn't. They just kind of. 
Ignored it, yeah. They they ignored it. And then in the Peter Davison era for the five doctors, they established, oh, they, they immediately took the edge off because they said um, Time Lords could give the master a whole new cycle of regenerations if they wanted. And so, okay, obviously then whenever the series gets to the final doctor, we're going to know yeah. exactly how they're going to solve this well, problem. Don't, don't because worry, they're don't not going to... That'll happen in 50 years. I mean, we won't have to worry about that anytime soon. Oh, wait. Yeah. So it made no impact basically on the on the drama at the time. The place it would make drama is when you get to that final incarnation. But then we already know how they're going to solve it. They're going to give them a new cycle of regenerations. So you you watch Matt Smith's final episode and for a few minutes and it's not that many. For a few minutes, there is a little bit of drama about, oh, guess what? I'm the last because that metacrisis thing and the war doctor. So yep. out of nowhere, without the without the audience being told well in advance, I'm the last. So we only get a few minutes of drama out of that. And then they do exactly what we knew they would do for the last mm -hmm. 50 years. Give them a new cycle of regenerations. So they've shot their wad on that. That's never going to be dramatic again. So you may yeah. as well strip off the 12 regeneration limit because right. you've already done that. You've been, we've been there. We've done that. It's not going to have the same drama as it could have and that they didn't actually play out. So mm -hmm. I'm fine with them getting rid of the 12 regeneration limit uh, because it was never a big deal anyway. And it would be an even lesser deal in the future. So they've done I think they've done future showrunners a favor. Also. By having the doctor be um, not from originally from Gallifrey. Now, she can still say I'm a Gallifreyan because she was raised there and she can still say I'm a Time Lord because she graduated the Academy. But in terms of not knowing where she comes from, that was like the first 10 years of the show. Right. Yeah. Where we didn't know where the doctor came from. And so this is actually, you know, restoring this show to the status quo ante where there was no regeneration limit and we didn't know how many regenerations there had been because William Hartnell didn't say I'm the first doctor. He didn't get called the first doctor on screen until Matt Smith's time. And so this is very recent that he's been officially numbered as the first of this cycle. Uh, so basically, we we were back to the situation where we don't know where the who the doctor's real people are. We don't know how many lifetimes there have been. And there are hints of previous ones we don't know about. And right. uh, there is no regeneration limit. So we're back in the early days of the show. And what I've noticed, because I've gone looking I, for people who I knew would hate this. And I, and I've deliberately watched their videos, including some where they're screaming and ranting. I mean, literally screaming about this. <laughs> and <is> and <laughs> I've noticed, OK, these tend to be younger people who are not fans of who of classic who or who don't know classic who as well. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have a feel for this being the norm on the show. All they have a feel for is the recent time where we know, oh, yeah, Matt Smith is the 11th doctor. He said, I'm the 11th. You know, and uh, and so I think part of their rage is because they don't have a feel for the show. And it's like, oh, yeah, there was that line in Brain of Morbius, but we didn't take that seriously. Well, because you've been living and watching who in a recent environment only. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were there for the original broadcast of that, it's like, wow, the doctor had previous regenerations.
So they discount things because they bought too heavily into the recent narrative. And I've tried to, to, to process what is their problem here? I think part of it for some of them is they just don't like Chris Chibnall. And, you know, I can I can get on. I, I understand that. But they're they're just being irrational about this. Uh, some of them are saying things like this ruins William Hartnell as the first doctor. So how right. does it ruin him? Some some people have said, well, it ruins his story arc of becoming more heroic. But he did become more heroic. Even if he was a little kidnappy in the first episode, he does grow as a character. I mean, then they address that in this episode of they basically rebooted the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. William Hartnell was the first of the rebooted doctor where they took him, her to a child Mm -hmm. because the master says, you know, all those things, you know, going to the academy and running through the streets, those all happen. But that wasn't your first lifetime. Also, I found the people who really don't like this saying things like somehow the additional regenerations that we don't know about cheapens the one we have seen, the ones we have seen. And I don't get that at all. I don't either. The ones I've seen, I enjoyed. And knowing there are others. Great. Maybe we get to explore some of those one day. You could have a one off actor come in and, and be an unknown incarnation of the doctor, maybe a famous actor who would be great for the part, but couldn't commit to doing it for a season or three. I, I, I can imagine Big Finish as soon as they watch this go, goody, 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 yeah, goody. They're having conferences well, today. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, there are other doctors of, of unknown, unseen regenerations in the spinoff literature. Not only in Big Finish, but in the novels. So really, yep. this is what they've done here is not only restored the original status quo of the show they've they've put it with the status quo of the spinoff media where you can have other unseen regenerations because they're there in the stories one other thing uh, so another criticism is it messes up the numbering of the doctors no it doesn't you can still call william hartnell the first <laughs> that's that's a dumb and, <laughs> he's the first of this cycle yeah and also i've seen people complaining oh but now the doctor is not just an ordinary gallifreyan again just a madman with a box traveling the universe. Now he's special. Well, special in the sense that he had some genes that got torn out of him as a child. Right. Well, that's it, not that doesn't make you divine. Right. Well, it makes him not the same as all the other Gallifreyans, which we, frankly, the doctor hasn't been a, just a madman in a box for yeah. a very long time. Not in all of you yeah. who for certain. So, yeah. yeah. And, and even before, I mean, you had the Cartmel master plan where he's, he's clearly more special and that got on screen. I am not just another Time Lord. Right. So I, I understand if you're a recent comer to Doctor Who and your formative experiences were with New Who, this is different for you and you might not like it. And, I, and, I'm, and that's fine. People can have differences of opinion, but I don't think it's worth getting irrationally hatey about it. And partly, I think maybe read some comic books because reboots and retcons are all over the place in comics. Never get too attached to a single vision of a character because any long living franchise is going to get reinterpreted at some point. And you may like it more. You may like it less. But your favorite stories are all out there and you can headcanon anything you want. Mm -hmm. And don't freak out if it's not exactly to your taste at the moment. See Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Trek. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. All, all, I, all I can all I can say is this makes Curse of the Fatal Death canon. <laughs> <laughs> Missy already did that. I know. And, and there is there is a line in one of the Missy Big Finish sets where Michelle Gomez is saying, "I'm not climbing through any more uh, sewer pipes." There was quite enough of that on Tercerus. 
which, right. which by the way, if you haven't seen that, that was a, a 1999 uh, Red Nose Day, they call it, the charity telethon for children, uh, children's charities. And it was Rowan Atkinson was the doctor, the first yeah. one in this of five. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Five. Yeah. It, finishing with Joanna Loomley, if you've seen Absolutely Fabulous, you know well, who she is. Yeah. And he, Hugh Grant, too, right? Richard E. Grant, yeah. But doesn't this make uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin also potentially canon? <laughs> they covered him in another way. Stephen Moffat did in yeah. the uh, in the novel for Day of the Doctor. Right, that's right. Um, but to me, I don't like that explanation. In my head, uh, uh, Peter Cushing is the Doctor in an alternate version, and maybe a previous regeneration. I don't know. Yeah. By the way, one one other thing I had thought about that this ruins William Hartnell is what would William Hartnell think about that? Yeah. That the idea there were pre I mean, after they introduced Patrick Troughton and replace him, the idea there were people before me playing this part, how does that ruin my time? Right. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. All right. We uh we need to uh to bring things to a close here. Uh this was a great discussion. We have feedback. Uh, I'm gonna save that for next week. Uh because that it probably goes with whatever feedback we get this week as well. So we'll we'll cover all of the all of your great feedback next time. But uh, but this is a great discussion. And like I said, uh, you know, we'll be back next time. But first, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including this time Kim L, Michael S, Craig C, Christian C and Mary N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What do you think of this season finale, The Timeless Children, and all of its implications? Let us know. And uh, I'd also like to hear from you what your take is on the season. And we'll incorporate that feedback into next week's show uh, as we have our discussion uh, looking back on the whole season. Uh, so you can go to sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. To leave comments, you can send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And uh, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing that retrospective of the season and your feedback on it. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. No, thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aitken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, be brave, be swift, and most of all, be lucky. <laughs>